Hey there, thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus' message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit hermesonassembly.com and click the Give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. And so this morning... I want to talk about that crown. Um, he, th- there, is, there, are present, there are present rewards, but there is a future reward. So often, though, in, our, in the society we live in, uh, and, it keeps, and it seems like it's going more and more this direction, society is more concerned about the immediate gratification than they are looking down the road at the ultimate crown. In other words... We want, our, we want our reward now. We want our, you know, we want to cash in on the lottery now. We want our candy bar now. Uh, we can't wait till after dinner. We can't wait till uh, some other time, but we want the reward right now. And while there are present joys and present rewards, and, and we'll talk about this, yet there is a greater crown that we're looking for in the future. And how we run the race now will determine the crown at the end of the race. Let me say it this way, though. Let me preface it this way. In the world, people who win the crown finish the race. They have to cross the line. In the, in the kingdom of God, not only is it crossing the line, but you're winning the race by getting into the race. In other words, that my question to you this morning is, what race are you running Are you running a race according to the things of this earth? Are you grounded to the things of this life so much so that you're not aware that there is a heavenly crown? You're not aware that there is a great, that that we are citizens of heaven? The Bible says that we're in this earth, but we're no longer of it. That, you know, we see presidential races running right now. We see elections going on right now. And I encourage you, please be a part of that process. Take these last 15 days or so and be prayerful uh, about it and be praying for this because Romans 13 tells us we're to honor our authorities and be praying for them. Because by praying for them, we're praying for our nation. We're praying for God to move and operate in our country. And so there are those races and so much of it is wrapped up in sound bites and and what's happening in the moment and we forget what the ultimate goal is. We forget as a believer even that the goal of life is not to uh, just, uh, uh, it's it's not just to uh, receive uh, earthly accolades or applause or rewards, but there is a crown to be gained in eternity. And when we keep eternity in perspective, it will determine the choices we make today. So often we're living for today when we really ought to be living for eternity. We ought to be living in the, the, knowing that our time on this earth is but a moment in the light of all eternity. And it might seem troublesome now. It might seem insurmountable now. There might be mountains in your way now. But realize this. This is, nothing, this is but a fleeting moment in the, in the spectrum of eternity. And so Paul, as he's running the race, he's, he, he's saying, we are citizens of heaven. And the way we run is going to be the way it is different than the, what the world runs. And so Paul's telling us in verse 12, he says, you know what? I don't claim to be perfect. 
He says, but I have, I have determined to pursue Christ as he has pursued me. He said that same, that same passion that Christ came after me and laid hold of me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to lay hold of him. I mean, Jesus, he was walking on the road to Damascus, ready to persecute Christians in the name of God. And yet Jesus appeared to him and said, why do you continually kick against me? Meaning Jesus had been coming to him over and over and over again. And finally he gets his attention on the road to Damascus. He says, why do you keep, why do you keep kicking against my goad or uh, my, my uh, shepherd's staff? Jesus was pursuing him, and so Paul's saying, now I'm in pursuit of Jesus. The Bible says that even while we were still unbelievers, while we were still sinners, that Christ came and died for you and for me. Amen? What does that say? He pursued us. He came after us. And not only did he come after us to save us, but he still comes after us. He's saying, won't you come closer? I want to come in and sit with you, Revelations 3, 10 and 20. I want to come in with you and share a cup of coffee. I want to come in with you and share some ideas, share some dreams, share my heart with you and you with me. And so Paul's telling us, he says, listen, I'm not perfect, but I can't help but pursue him. He says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me and I'm reaching forward to the things that are ahead. Let me ask you the question this morning. What's behind you? What's behind you? Let me, let me help you out. Hell's behind you. You no longer have to worry about hell. Amen? At least three of us don't have to worry about hell. We don't have to worry. I'm going to say it again. We don't have to worry about hell, right? Amen. It's behind us. That, let me say this. The worst is behind us. The bondages that we were involved in are behind us. The, the blindness that we were walking is behind us. He says, I forget those things which are behind me. If you remember, he was murdering people in the name of God. He was, a, he was putting people up on the chopping block. He was saying, you know, in the name of God, you, you blasphemer, I'm going to put you, I'm, in the name of God, I'm going to destroy you. And he would. And yet he says, I forget those things which are behind me. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. What is condemnation? It's the fear of future judgment over your present condition. But if you have been forgiven, what is your present condition? You're saved. You're made clean. God doesn't remember your sins any longer. He's no longer, if you were to bring it up, say, well, Lord, do you remember the other day? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Paul says, I forget those things which are behind me and I'm looking forward to those things which are ahead. What's ahead of us? Hope, abundant life, heaven. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the enemy comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come to give you life and life, what? More abundantly. Paul says, I forget those things which are behind me. I forget all that ugliness. I forget all of the, the shame. I forget all the embarrassment. I forget all the, 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 the falling short. And I'm looking ahead of me now to a hope and a future and to heaven. But he, but he warns us. He says, but I want you to mark. He says, in so doing, uh, he says, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus he reminds us in chapter in verse 14, he says, there is a prize to be gained. 
There is something to be sought. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What is the prize? It's not just to be like Jesus, or not just to reflect Jesus, but there's coming a day, the Bible says, that we'll see him face to face and will be as he is. What is Jesus right now? He is a glorified body sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority. Amen? And the word tells us that that's what we have to look forward to. We look forward to that. The word goes on to say, let me catch up with myself here. Verse 15 and 16 it says, and I read it just a moment ago, let us, therefore let us as mature believers have this in mind. If, in, if you think anything otherwise, God will reveal it to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us have the same mind. And so the word tells us, this is a word of encouragement, that we are encouraged to pursue the knowledge of God. If you're seeking gifts, pursue them. If you're seeking the baptism, pursue them. If you're seeking God's wisdom, pursue it. If you're seeking healing, pursue it. If you're seeking understanding, pursue it. And once you have pursued it, and once you've experienced it, you now live in that level of maturity. In other words, you don't walk back. You don't walk backwards. You don't give up what you've gained. Amen? Some of you can turn to the other and even say this, I've come too far to give up now. <laughs> I know too much. You know what? Someone could come to you and say, oh, God's not real. Well, you're too late to tell me. It's too, you've come along too, too late. Uh, you're Johnny come lately in my life because I've seen too much. I've known too much. I've witnessed people by the hundreds and thousands come to Christ and be transformed in a moment's notice. I've seen bodies healed. I've seen, I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen blind eyes come open. I've seen the lame walk. You've come too late to turn, back, tur turn me back now. And Paul is saying here, we've run we're running this race. It's a word of encouragement. He says, pursue it. Don't give, don't give up or give in to it. As Jesus, as we, we're, let me say it this way. We are to pursue Jesus in every way. Realize this, if he, Hebrews chapter one verse three says that Jesus is the perfect reflection of God the Father. And that everything, if we ever have a question about God, just look at Jesus. If we wonder, does God love me? Ask the question, did Jesus love me? Does God want me to be healed? Ask the question, did Jesus provide the healing? Everything that we know in Christ is what we ought to pursue. But think about it this way, everything in other words, that when it comes to his word, everything we see him doing, we ourselves are called to do. Amen? Because there is that future reward, but there is that present, there is that, that journey. The journey is just as significant as the crossing the line at the end. And the word says here, regarding it, that whatever point you're at in this race, don't turn back. Don't give up. And then the word goes on to talk about citizenship. And it makes a comparison between 
those of earth and those of heaven. He says, in verse, uh, verse 17, he says, and note those who so walk. He, he says, joining in the following by my example. In other words, he says, I'm giving you an example in my own life. But note those who so walk as you have, have us as a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that there are enemies of the cross whose uh, whose end is destruction, whose belly is their God, whose glory is their shame, whose, who has set their mind on earthly things. Paul is saying here, these people are not running the right race. These individuals are tied to earth and not to heaven. He, compa- he makes a comparison. He says, mark them. Who are the enemies of the cross? You may think, well, it's obviously an unbeliever. No. Enemies of the cross are, are not necessarily those who disagree with this word, but they can also be religious, legalistic individuals. Let me say it again. Enemies of the cross, because what did, what did Jesus come to do? He came to fulfill the law. He came to, he was the fulfillment. We are no longer, we cannot keep the law. We cannot uh, fulfill the law. There was only one who hit the mark, and it was Jesus Christ. The Bible says, it talks about in Romans chapter 3, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the presence of God, God's perfection. And there was only one who hit the mark, and it was Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, we're trying to hit the mark. In running our race, we're trying to hit the mark with legalism and condemnation and shame and coming under and somehow trying to carry this thing ourselves, but that was not his intent. When he came, Jesus came to set us free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Free to live in healing. Free to live in holiness. Free to live in purity. Free to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Free to command those things to be done, and it shall be. Those things that are not that you see in the spirit and you command it to be. In other words, God will begin to drop things in your heart. You'll begin to dream dreams. You'll begin to receive uh, words or impressions on your spirit to say, for God to say, hey, I want you to believe me for this. In other words, when we accepted Jesus, we accepted all the blessings and benefits. Ephesians 1.3 talks about how that, that by being in Christ, we are now candidates for every blessing from heaven. We don't have to rely on the law to get us there. And so enemies of the cross are even those who uh, just are trying to carry this thing themselves. And what does the Bible say about them? The word says the end of them is destruction. You can go to church all your life and still go to hell. Need I say more? You can go to church all your life and claim to be a Christian and claim to uh, you know, be a, a good person, but if you, have, if you are not having a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you are not growing, because to have a relationship with Jesus Christ means you're going to grow. It means you're going to advance. You're going to go from faith to faith, glory to glory. There's going to be t- seasons of change coming in your life, times where you think that this is as good as it gets, and then all of a sudden... God tells Jesus to open curtain number three, and he reveals something altogether different, altogether new. We call that a paradigm shift. You think you knew everything about God until one day you woke up and God says, okay, now I'm going to show you something else. 
What is, what is that? That's running the race. That's turning the corner. That's advancing. You don't know what's around the bend. All you know is that you're running. Pressing on, pressing forward, not giving up. The word says, to the enemies of the cross, their end is destruction, but to the believer, it's eternal life, a crown of glory. It says their belly is their God. In other words, their belly becomes their object of worship. Self is in control. It's more about the immediate gratification than looking down the path, looking down the road, having a vision for heaven, whose glory is in their shame. Isn't it amazing? Even in, It just amazes me in the day we live in that shame has now become the new popular thing. What was once done in private is now put on exhibit in public and it's being idolized and glorified and say, oh wow, look at them. Aren't they brave? Aren't they, isn't that a good thing? But in all reality, the word says, whose glory has, is their shame, taking glory in things that are contrary to the character of God, contrary to his word. These are individuals that are running the wrong race, that are running down a different path. And they have set their mind on earthly things. You remember the story of Peter and the disciples in the boat. Jesus was, I just preached this, I think, last Sunday. They were in the boat, and the storm was blowing, and Jesus is sound asleep. Why? Because his, he was operating from heaven's vantage. Peter says, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? I mean, these are veteran fishermen. They, these people know how to run a boat. They, know, they should know what to do in a storm. And yet in the storm, Peter says, we're about to lose our lives, and Jesus does not even care. And they finally woke him up, and they said, don't you even care. And what did Jesus do? He stood up and says, peace. He commanded the seas and the storms to be quiet, and they were quiet. After the, think about this, he did it just even weeks later when they fed the 5,000. The Bible says Jesus came walking on the water in the middle of a storm. And, and he didn't even command the storm. The Bible says as soon as he stepped into the boat, the storm quit. I can almost imagine the principality of the air saying, well, he commanded us last time. We might as well just give it to him this time. You know, he stepped into the boat and everything. In other words, when you're running, are, are, you, are you running a race with your mind set on earth on earth? And your emotions go up and down with the stock market. Your decisions go based on emotion. Your, your perspective is based on the latest poll. But are you basing it on heaven's perspective? Heaven's will, heaven's desire. Verse 20 says this, for our citizenship is in heaven. I love this. In the King James it says our conversation is in heaven heaven. I had to go back and read all those ver- ver- I-, I thought, is that a misprint? Did I misread it somehow? Am I not looking at it rightly? But I went back and I saw in the King James, it says, it just doesn't say citizenship, it says a whole other different word. It says conversation. Let me ask you the question, how much of your conversation is about heaven? How much of your time is spent reminiscing and thinking about and considering what heaven must be like. Thinking of the joys and the pleasures. Now, yes, we know that that could be years and decades down the road, or it could be today. 
But nonetheless, there is that hope of heaven. There is that hope of eternal life. There is that hope to be in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, to be around the throne with all the angels and all the saints who've gone on before. There is that hope. There is that thing that, that causes our heart to burn within us. I ask you the question, how much of your conversation is around heaven? Is all you're talking about are the bad things that are happening on your job? Is all the things you want to talk about when you meet up with someone is what's going wrong in your family? Is that all that you want to talk about? Or are you considering? I love running into believers out in public. Because oftentimes the conversation at some point will come around to Jesus. And I tell you what, that is, that, that is the word that encourages and stirs the saints. It's more when we talk about him than when we talk about the things going on around us. What is your conversation about? Because what your conversation is filled with will reflect whose citizenship do you carry? Do you carry the earth's citizenship or are you carrying heaven's citizenship? He says here, our conversation is in heaven. He says, and so we eagerly wait for the Savior we're looking for his appearing. This is the hope that keeps us, purifies us. This is what keeps us running the race, pressing toward the goal, the prize, Jesus Christ. And there's coming a day that we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will be transformed into his likeness. We are not perfect now, but we're pursuing it. We're not altogether, we're, 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 you know, uh, we're not altogether free of this body now, but we're pursuing it. We're going after it. And there's coming a day the word says we will be transformed in a twinkling of an eye. First Peter 5, 4 says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. And he closes with these words. He says, therefore, my brethren, and longed for brothers, meaning I long for you, I want to see you. You are my joy and you are my crown. So with this knowledge, he says, stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. I want to encourage you, church, stand fast. I want to encourage you, church, run the race. Run the race. Turn to your neighbor, run the race. Tell them, run the race. Don't give up. Don't turn aside. Run this race. Because there's coming a day that we will receive a crown that will never fade away. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. While those on earth are running for an earthly crown. We are running for one that will not fade away. And we need to run in such a manner. What is that manner? It's the manner of Jesus Christ. It's following him. If you just chase after him, you won't have to worry about anything. If you just go after him, you won't have to worry, am I running the wrong direction? If you just chase after him, pursue him, love him, want him, obey him, you never have to fear. You never have to worry. You never have to wonder, does he care? For 2 Timothy 4, eight says, for there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness with which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not me only, but, all, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Are you looking forward to his coming? Are you looking forward to his appearing? That's, if you are, you're running the right race. If you are, you're on the right track. If you are, 
you're going in the right direction. Revelations 19 verse 12 says, talking about Jesus, that there's coming a day that we will see Christ himself and on his head there will be many crowns. What do you think those crowns are gonna be made up of? It's gonna be a reflection of you and you and you and you and me and you. Do you know what his crown is? Souls. Do you know what his joy is? Even like Paul said to the church of Philippi, he says, you are my crown and joy. That's what Jesus says of you. He says, you are my crown and joy. There's gonna come a day that we will all take off our crowns and lay them at his feet. And he will be crowned with many crowns. Amen. Aren't you looking forward to that day? I can't wait to see him face to face. I can't wait having pursued him all these years. This next year for me is going to be 40 years of pursuing Jesus. Amen. I gave my heart to the Lord at the age of eight. And sadly enough, I'm turning 48 next January. (laughs) It's a good thing, but time is moving on but 40 years and some of you longer. I don't care if you've been going after Christ for 40 or four months or four weeks or four days. Keep pursuing. Keep pursuing him. Amen? Would you stand with me right now? I'm gonna ask Miss Marcy to come and play for a moment. I wanna ask the, the, the prayer team if they'll just come forward right now as we pray. And I want to give an invitation. I want to give an invitation this morning. Are you running the right race? Maybe you're here this morning and and the race you've been running has been really just in competition with those around you. You're trying to run according to the world's rules and you're finding that it just keeps leading you to a dead end. It just leads you down the wrong path, a path of despair, a path of discouragement, a path of shame, a path of bondage. You've tried to break free of, uh, of, of your circumstance or break free of your chains, and you can't do it. I want to ask you this morning, if you don't know Christ if you don't have Christ as your Savior today, if you've never given him your life, not just your heart and mind, but to say, Lord, my life is yours. If you've never done that, I want to give you a chance to do that today. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed for this moment, if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I'm on the wrong path. I'm running the wrong race. I want to run the right race. And if that's you here today, could you slip up a hand so we could agree with you this morning? Just say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I see a couple hands going up. Anyone else? That's me. I want to get on the right track. I want to be on the right path. This morning, maybe you're here today and and you've professed to be a believer and you're attempting to run the race but you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. 
you feel like you keep going back to what you used to be or back to what you were or you keep looking behind you rather than looking ahead of you. You're more caught up with the past failures and circumstances and past faults and because of it you have shame in your life now. You're not good enough to run the race. You feel unworthy to run this race. Maybe that's you this morning. We want to give you an opportunity to be set free. An opportunity to say, Lord, set me free from condemnation. Set me free from shame. And I'll open up these altars. You can come and either receive prayer or have someone agree with you or you can come and pray on your own. But I want to give you the chance to do that this morning. What is the goal? The goal is we're, look, we're pursuing Jesus. We're looking for him. Lord, this morning, I just, dear God, as we've delivered this word today, Lord, number one, we want to be on the right track. We want to run the right race. And so, Lord, if, I, if we're here today and we don't know you as, your, as our Lord and Savior, right now, dear God, we ask that you would come into our heart come into our life be the Lord of our life put us place us take us off the wrong track put us on the right track dear God break us free from the old life the Bible says old things pass away now everything has become new we are now a new creature a new creation we've been given a new track to run we've been given a new race to run and that is your promise Lord when we ask you to come into our heart and so Lord would you do just that forgive us set us free make me clean make us new put us on the right track in Jesus name Lord I pray for those who are struggling with running the race struggling with growing struggling with pursuing Jesus I pray Lord that if, if we're too caught up in earthly things Lord that you'd break that off of our heart and mind transform our hearts and minds that we may be able to run freely. The Bible talks about how that those who run this race do not entangle themselves with the affairs of this life. Lord, we want to be free of the entanglements, free of the things that keep us from running. That's us, Lord. God, I pray that you set us free in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that for, the, for we at large, dear God, I pray, Lord, that our conversations would be more about Jesus than anything else. Dear God, that, our, that, we, that we can't help but to turn every conversation into a time about how good God is, about how generous he is, about how loving he is, about how faithful he is, about how, uh, how intimate he is, about how he knows us better than we know ourselves. Lord, I pray that we as the body, as we are being being and being filled with your Holy Spirit, that we would find ourselves constantly talking about, constantly being reminded of, dear God, why we're running this race and for what purpose. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just bless every individual under the sound of our voice. God, that you would, dear God, quicken every mortal body by your Holy Spirit. Quicken and bring encouragement, bring hope today, I pray in Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to open up these altars right now. If you said, I want to get on the right track, 
I want to encourage you to come and we want to re- and we want to receive you today and pray with you. If you're saying, Pastor, I keep looking behind me. I'm running, but I keep looking behind me. And you're saying, I can't seem to stop it. And you want someone to agree with you in prayer. These, will, these wonderful believers up front that you see, they want to pray with you and, and agree with you that who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? And if you're just saying, Lord, I just want more of you, you can take some time before you leave this morning and just say, Lord, what this, what this word I heard just now, God, make it so in my life, in Jesus' name. God bless you today. God bless you today. Begin to make your way forward and, and, and have some time in prayer.